a crushes, dating, friendship and kissing podcast hosted by love amateurs Lex Croucher and Rosanna Hofstrohas. We are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him, her, them, everybody or nobody. You can send us your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or use hashtag makeoutwithhim on Twitter or tweet at makeoutwithhim. If possible, please include your pronouns and the name that you would like us to call you or you could be anonymous. And if you'd like to help us out with running costs, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash makeoutwithhim. Thank you to everyone who has already done so. Yay! Hooray! I wonder if I sound far away because I'm lying on the sofa. <laughs> we were in a f- new filming location today. Yeah, we're at Rosianna's new flat, which is very nice. But probably quite echoey. Yes. Because um, it's so light and airy with high ceilings. It's all those high ceilings. <laughs> with a hardwood floor. My God, it's so hard, isn't it, uh, being Just, you? like, really come into my full middle-class potential. It is very nice, though. Yeah. It, I really love this place. You can, um... Oh, I found we've got... Box cups in the garden. Nice. It's very exciting. We also have free view on our TV, so I can watch Love Island on the TV and the World Cup. So. Wait, was the TV here before? Yeah, the TV was here before. They left a television? Yeah, you? the people here left, like, all the furniture, basically, and a TV, and, like, it's amazing. <gasps> That's yeah. really nice. Yes, it's really good, especially during the World Cup and Love Island, like... Oh, yes. It's just... There's something about watching real TV and I just never do it. And I mean, I've spoken to some people about it and like my boyfriend is so not into it. He thinks it's like not a fun thing, but for me, it's always been a community thing and like a thing that you sit down with your friends or your family and like, or just having it on in the background is so cozy. Yeah. Just real television, even though most of what's on is terrible. And it's so, obviously until like literally this week, like I don't have, I've not had a TV in ages, so... Um, like for, with live TV on it in ages so it feels like a real novelty and it feels really exciting yeah kind of do like oh what's on and I would find that so exciting and like sitting down to watch Love Island like I have to yes. sit down and like find it on my laptop and hope that the streaming is good and to be fair I do project it on my wall so it's not like the hardest life <laughs> in the world I have it giant so I can really see the uh, traitorous faces close up you can really but, um, see all the swimming pool and everything yeah well to be fair I do still watch it a lot of the time late at night by myself in my room because I come back late from stuff but still yeah but it's so cool to be like oh this thing's on it's an option it's just nice ugh simple things how are you? I'm sick yeah I've been ill for a week I'm still ill which is why I'm lying down like lounging on the sofa right now as we make this you look like a Roman like a luxurious Roman feed me a grape um shant okay fair enough (laughs) I think that's what they said in the Roman times alright fair enough never mind (laughs) Dudley's learnt a new word. <laughs> what a fancy middle class word to learn. Oh Chant. dear. There was so much unrealistic dialogue in Harry Potter because it was all these things that kids would literally never say. And I think it's hilarious. Like, it's very like boarding. That's why I think why it taps into that boarding school feeling so much. Yeah. Because it feels like a boarding school novel, like Mallory Towers or something. Yeah, because it's just, I always make fun of the fact that, like, I think it's in the books as well, but I just, it stands out to me in the film because I remember his exact tone of saying it. Which is when he's like, um, you know, you need to buy all your books and stuff. Like Hagrid says that to Harry. And then he's like, but Hagrid, I haven't any money. Yeah. It's like, what? Ten-year-old child would say, I, I haven't, well, I was 11. I haven't any money, Hagrid. Yeah. He's like a Oliver Twist character or something. Yeah. And there's yeah. another thing he says, like, I think even in that scene, I don't remember what it is. It's just like... Who yeah. am I, Hedwig? <laughs> <laughs> just why, why would a child say these things? They wouldn't. I love it. It kind of takes that elevated language and just makes it ridiculous and I adore it. <laughs> I adore it, I adore darling. it. I die for it. When I have a 10-year-old, 11-year-old child, they will certainly say, shan't. 
and certainly I haven't certainly haven't is definitely any. one of those words every now and then certainly creeps back into my like certainly daily vocabulary and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> so I didn't my mum obviously has like a very strong Mexican accent and still does yeah. after living in the UK for like 30 years my dad like wasn't didn't come from a wealthy family at all he was the first kid in his street to go to university and like and his um, parents both worked in civil service and like yeah weren't from like a, a rich background but in my family, pronunciation was so emphasised. To the point, like, it was problematic. It was like, good classes. Yeah. There was a lot of tinge of other things in it. Um, and, like, you know, they didn't let me put my Mexican name on my passport. They didn't put up my passport because they didn't want people to know that I was half Mexican. All this other stuff. Oh. Um, but it does, yeah, I do have all this, like, weird pronunciation stuff that still feels, like, theatrical when I do it. But it's also the way... It's I because was, you're very received pronunciation. But so I was as well. But my, like, my mum was from, like, Luton. Yeah. But they were very well spoken. And, like, my my dad's side is from, he's from Bristol. Yeah. He doesn't have a Bristol accent. He has, like, because he went to a, like, I think a private school or, like, just some kind of fancy-ass school. And uh, because of that, he also has, like, a kind of, like, Surrey, like, you know, proper British accent. And I used to have that as a kid, and now I've just destroyed it. <laughs> and I've talked a lot about my weird. You've got accent. a good video about it. I you know it. it, and we've talked about it on this podcast as have well. We? Oh god, we've talked about everything. The you... biggest problem with this podcast is that I have the worst memory. Yeah, same. And so we'll just be making the same episode over and over again. And I think I even said that. Maybe. Anyway, so what we can say? Can I? I was going to ask people to diagnose me with my illness, but actually, by the time they hear this, hopefully, I'll have been diagnosed or I'll be better. So you're in pain? I'm in pain. My head hurts. I feel sick all the time. I'm not pregnant. I've got pain in my like kidney area, but I, I don't know. Is it definitely your kidneys? No. It's just where I imagine my kidneys to be. My, yeah. That's where my imaginary kidneys live. It's either your real kidneys or your imaginary ones. Yeah, who knows? I went to Disneyland. Did we already talk about that? No, I no, just got back from Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland's great. I want to live there. I've been sucked in by the corporate nonsense and they projected Johnny Depp's face on the castle and I booed. And my sister was like, please don't ruin it for the children. And I was like, the children have to know. Children do need to if know. If I don't boo, then they're like, look at this lovely abuser on the castle. He's great. Well, he's a real him. pirate. What a great thing. Ugh. I just like him very much. Yeah, me too. But anyway, and I used to love him, but Disneyland was great. That's my story. Um, the Chris, well, you know this already, but the Chris Hardwick story came out oh, yesterday yeah. that he's um, a terrible abuser. Um, but, and this is like not to take away from the gravity of this revelation, but my biggest takeaway from it was that Chris Hardwick is not the person who I thought he was. Like, not just in terms of like his moral core. Um, mostly in times I thought he was a completely different person yeah you literally thought he was someone else I looked at the picture and I was like that's not Chris Hardwick and it turned out it was Um, and I still haven't worked out who I thought Chris Hardwick was so he's even more irrelevant to me now yeah well he sounds like a very terrible person who I hadn't really heard of before but he was kind of just around I knew he was big in like podcasting circles but yeah another one bites the dust Wait, are we going to get copyright pulled now? Because no. I sound so much... <laughs> no one listens to our podcast. I sound so accurate that it's like, oh my gosh, she stole a bit of the song. Should we ask some questions? Maybe. Should I do the first one? Before my kidneys explode. Yeah. We've got several questions from Runals this week. The first of whom says, 
Hey gals, super excited about the return of the podcast because my hour and a half commute isn't the devil's butthole anymore. <laughs> so basically, I finally got with my best friend and flatmate of three years the week before I moved out so we were no longer living together and he's now my boyfriend. We've been together for about a month now and it's all going amazing but I worry that sometimes we just slip into old friendship habits and struggle to get that romantic intimacy though sexually there's no problem lol. Any advice to li- liven up the romance between two pals turned partners? Thanks, Brunel. <laughs> Is that silence filled with apprehension about what's going to happen when your gentleman friend moves in? <laughs> I just... It's interesting that there's like a big difference between romantic intimacy and sexual intimacy because I know there's obviously a difference and like some people like one and don't like the other or, you know, you can have issues with one and not the other. But... Um, I find that the romantic intimacy is the easiest one for me because like kind of cuddling up someone or like holding hands or kissing and that kind of stuff feels like it's just a part of how I act when I'm in a relationship and it just feels really like normal and natural to me. This isn't helpful. I'm like, you weirdos, I'm fine. What's wrong with you? But I think like, I mean, A... Most people, when they're in, like, serious relationships, it ends up being more of a, like, partnership in a way where you're not... Maybe you're not always, like, holding hands and kissing and doing all that kind of romantic stuff. Um, And actually having a friendship like that is such a strong foundation for a relationship that I think it's actually, like, a great thing. And I'm not saying, like, don't bother with romance because it'll go anyway in a few years, which, like, you know, it doesn't for everyone. Um, But, yeah, I guess, like, it it just depends how much that is like a really important part of what you want your relationship to be. And also like you're breaking habits because you've been friends with someone for ages. It's really weird to like change lanes and suddenly be like, Oh, this is what, this is what's happening now. So I guess it's just like defining what you want out of that for both of you. Like what you, what, what is romantic intimacy? I don't even know. Yeah. Because touching butts. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Carry on. Feel free to touch these butts. Do whatever you want. Um, if that's your romantic intimacy no I meant like both butts touch yeah okay good I'm just not really, like with I needed hand. to clarify yeah but just, also that if you want to yeah is that romantic or sexual don't know continue well that's what I'm wondering I'm like I'm wondering if in trying to work out who you are as a couple you're kind of like almost like maybe boxing things into separate like discrete categories of like well this is friendship stuff and this is romance stuff mm. and this is sex stuff um, and I wonder whether maybe you just need to let it get like a bit more, I hate this word, organic, <laughs> um, and just see and try different things and see what works for you. But at the same time, yeah, there's that romance stuff, like maybe you could do some of the standard things like we have a set date night or, um, you could have like a book club together or a film ser- or a TV series that. that you both watch or things like that, that are like stuff that is strictly you both together activities that might you might do within a friendship but because it's just the two of you come with extra intimacy I think like there is something different and special to that um and then you can have stuff that like without wanting to falsely engineer it becomes your thing and really I think it's more than anything about creating that time and those spaces for that intimacy to grow that's very good advice and while you were saying it I googled Cosmo how to be romantic. Oh, great. Perfect. What does Cosmo say? Cosmo says, let them take leftovers home after a date. <laughs> what? What? Is that romantic? That's practical. Food waste is bad. 
To be fair, if there were like chips left and my boyfriend was like, you take the chips, they're for you. I think I would like propose to him on the spot. When we're going to be living together, it's like shared chips, ofs. Wait, if you live together, you have to share all of your chips? Basically. That's in the contract. Um, I don't think it's going to work. None of this is romance. What are the other ones? What are some of the other ones? Surprise them with takeout of their favourite meal. That's kind of nice. Like, little intimate surprises. This all goes back to the love languages, doesn't it? Because, like, what's your... What's romance to you? Is romance, like, somebody um, sharing something intimate with you or, like, doing something nice for you or just, you know... Or is it kind of more typical romance, like, hugging? (laughs) Is hugging romantic? I keep saying hugging. I think your... Is one of your love, love languages touching? Yeah, but I don't think it's very high on mine. And you hug. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, my kidney. I don't think that touch is high on mine, actually. Mine's like words of affirmation and acts of service and stuff and quality time. But yeah, I guess it's just, yeah, whatever. Go back to wherever you had your first date. Buy him a succulent or a fake plant. I feel like this is a lot of like buying based stuff. Yeah, it is. It's like buying Take food. Out. Send them a delivery when they're busy at work. Maybe this is all sponsored by, like, Addison Lee or something. Probably. Write them a love note. How about a board game night? Yeah. How about a nice, gentle activity? My favourite part about this Cosmo article is that they've got these weird, generic, like, pictures of couples kissing and touching each other and stuff and, like, lying in bed and just obviously meant to be, like, sexual for everything. And first of all, I thought the give them a massage one was, like a man's hand inside a woman's vagina. Yeah, no, I thought that was much more erotic it than it actually it's is. It's just like them holding the back of someone, but it looked... And then the next Ooh. one is a woman with her thumb in a guy's mouth, which is obviously meant to be, like, really sexual. But the tip is, ditch your phone on your next date when you hang out. Like, don't look at your phone. Also stick your thumb in his mouth. <laughs> also, it doesn't look like it's... Like, you can do that in a quite sexy way, and that does not look sexy. Looks medical. Did you- <laughs> He's just like, oh yeah, I can't get that off my <laughs> Um And they've also got this like cyan, not cyan, magenta wash over them. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, anyway, the point is that it seems that romance is very subjective. But yeah, I don't know. Don't beat yourself up. Where, like, I don't understand where the boundary is between friendship and romance. Because so much of the stuff that I do would be considered like friendship stuff with my boyfriend. Yeah. Except that like... You touch butts sometimes. We touch butts t- together. We touch our butts together. <laughs> this is where the magic happens. This is where we touch butts. That's what I say to people when I welcome <laughs> them into my flat. He doesn't live there yet. No, no. But he but will. Soon. I'll put a sign on You're the door. You're just practicing your crib spiel. Yeah. yeah. This is the butt touch zone. Yeah, I need to come up with a spiel for this flat. You need um, a name for this flat. I do have a name for this place, but it is tied to the location, so I'm not going to... I used to have one that was tied to the location of the old one, but the new name is actually tied to, like, my last name and his last name because it's, like, me and my sister both have the same same last name and he's moving in. So it's half of his last name and half of mine. But I'm also not going to share that because I don't want you to know his last name. Maybe we should create some public names for our homes. Yeah. Let's think about it and have it in the next one if we remember which we won't. Which we definitely won't remember. 100% won't. Our next question comes from somebody who we are going to call Juliet. I went to my friend's event the other night where I knew there'd be lots of cool people to meet. Being a single Pringle, I'm always low-key on the lookout for a potential bay, and I genuinely really enjoy meeting new people. I talked to some dudes and a really cute bi girl. I'm also bi, but she had to leave after like five minutes. Anyway, this guy started talking to me. The first one who seemed interested was clearly flirting. We had a fun convo and got on really well. Now he's messaged me asking to go for drinks. The problem is I'm not really physically attracted to him. 
I don't want to come off as shallow. I know looks aren't everything and my standards are by no means incredibly high. Harsh. But looks do mean something. Do you guys think that I should go on a date with him in the hopes of, if it goes really well, becoming more attracted to him? Or should I just not waste his time? How do you guys feel about the role that looks play in dating in general? Whenever I start dating someone and tell my friends, they're like, ooh, is he cute? Show us a picture. And people are always making judgments about how your partner looks. We'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Love from Juliet. I feel like you asked about two things. The first one, well, more than two things, but the first one is being like how you feel towards someone and then also how other people mm-hmm. feel towards the person you're dating and like, and then also who you get with or whatever. First of all, I genuinely think that there is nothing wrong with just giving someone a chance and like genuinely going in open-hearted, like just going to give it my best shot and see what this goes on. Because like worst case scenario, you have a bad date like you don't talk to them again yeah right yeah especially with someone you don't happens but like (laughs) you're the last two people on earth then yeah that's definitely the likely scenario i think and that's the worst case scenario um (laughs) no but i think that like it's fine like you might not be like attracted enough to them after that date to want to meet up with them and attraction kind of yeah i think does go beyond looks it goes into their personality and there are things that sometimes you know, a lot, a lot of the time I'll be like, oh, that guy's so fit, or that person's so fit, and then talk to them, and I'm like, oh, God. Um, and then vice versa, like, initially someone <laughs> who I wouldn't be that attracted to would then be, like, more attracted to me when their personality kind of comes through. But the other piece of it is definitely, like, the friend side of it. I think that is something that you maybe do need to actively, like, work to change a bit, because it almost feels like a, like, status is too strong a word, but, like, there's an element of like value or conclusion that's being taken from the way someone looks and it's almost like you're taking that as a kind of something on yourself like as a validation of yourself through like who you're dating and like what other people think of that and I just think that that's like when you're getting to know someone that isn't important and I know that it can feel important I think you almost have to like actively choose to say it's not important until you believe it yeah I mean I agree with you it's social currency right yeah like if you feel like you're with somebody who, or like you're potentially going to be with somebody who you'd be really proud to be seen with, then it's like a social standing thing to be like, I'm with someone attractive. And yeah, you're right. Like that reflects on me somehow. And it, it is just this thing that like, I think we all wish we didn't do, but there is that element. And actually, once you get to know somebody, you'd be proud to be with them for other reasons. And like, you know, what other people think wouldn't matter so much, but yeah, it is a weird thing because like, I've definitely, um, people do always ask to see pictures of like a person you're dating or whatever. And I've had so many experiences where friends of mine have kind of made, like not made excuses, but been like, oh, well, you know, like this isn't the best picture or like this is, you know, that is always how people are kind of introduced if, if they're not seen as like super, super hot because people think that otherwise everyone's going to be like, oh, why are you wasting your time with this person? Which no one would ever say. Um, but it is a weird, especially in the Tinder age, this is the problem, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you're always just looking at pictures of people and being like making snap judgments about them based on some photos. And and especially when like a partner hasn't met your group of friends yet, the only information they have about them is what you've told them and the pictures you've shown them. Yeah. And they're trying to build something from that. Yeah. And it is just like yeah, this whole idea of like, you know, when people rate how they think they look out of 10 and like you're a six dating a 10 or, you know, like things like that. That is so pervasive. Like that just happens all the time. And people talking about other people punching above their weight or 
like all that kind of stuff it's just you would think that we would have left it behind but we don't and I like I hate it when people do this but I'm gonna do it anyway and like slightly blame it on the weird biology of like as much as we want to be um like better than thinking like oh that person's like tall and muscular and therefore will provide for me or like this I mean obviously this is like really heteronormative but like you know that weird kind of biological thing of like this person looks really strong and you know that's why I think you know we're still I don't know what I'm talking about that's why I'm still attracted to Zac Efron basically because he just looks like he would father the hell out of some children I mean that's not true actually he doesn't look like he would father them he just looks like he'd put them in me real good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I ha- was having okay so because uh, I've been sick in bed all week I you've been looking at Zac Efron yeah no I watched Bad Neighbours 2 which like what, oh my God. what a choice it's an interesting film isn't Fountain All Stars in that film yes yeah. all the girls at the sorority are watching it and crying I was just thinking about how I'm still so attracted to Zac Efron he just gets better with age he's just like an attractive attractive man yeah and I was just like disappointed in myself for being like look at this muscular like specimen and I'm like mm, yeah so muscly pick me up and throw me yeah like, and that that isn't a reflection on any of the guys that I usually like go for really or like actually form any kind of connection with I've gone off on a big tangent about Zac Efron I'm sorry I'm just thinking about in the film when he does a dance on stage and then he's like stripping and it's really great but then he gets his balls out <laughs> Because he's like stripping and he thinks it's really sexy and he just doesn't know where to stop. So he's stripping on this stage and all the girls are watching and like cheering and really happy. And he gets down to his underwear and then he like rips his underwear to the side. And like you just see his balls fall out. Oh my God. And everyone go, and all the girls go, oh, and they're like, no, he ruined it. He got out his penis. That's not hot. (laughs) Which I thought was really funny. It's just this idea that girls are like, yeah, yeah, take it all off until it gets to the point where it's like. Don't show me your dick. (laughs) You disgust me. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, What are we talking about? Well, that's the other thing as well. Like, I know I was quite, like, straightforward and conclusive. I don't want you to beat yourself up for, like, not finding someone attractive or, like, you know, having an emphasis on that in what you find attractive. Mm. Like, that's totally normal. It is normal. But at the same time, I think that you could maybe just, like, give this person a shot and see yeah. how it goes. Because, yeah, you don't have anything to lose. There's no harm. No harm, no foul. Indeed. And I think you said something about um, you feel like you might be wasting his time. He probably also just wants to see, like, how it goes. Yeah, and, like, you have no obligation. Neither does he. Like, neither of you will wait. It's not a waste of time to, like, go on a date or two and see how you feel about someone. And, like, anybody who made you feel like, you know, this whole, like, oh, you led him on or whatever. It's just nonsense because... Like, you're allowed to not know. You're allowed to not be 100% convinced and you're allowed to change your mind. So, you know, that's my take from down here on the sofa. Our next question comes from Leanne, who says, Dear Isiana and Lex, I have recently been dumped one week before we were due to move in together in a new city. After we broke up, he avoided meeting up with me before we both left to stay with our parents and treated me like crap. But as soon as we did meet up, he was so apologetic for how he treated me, told me he'd miss me, he loved me. We very almost kissed, and I'm glad that we didn't because it would be too messy. He's just too scared and immature for a grown-up relationship. All of our mutual friends are convinced he will get in touch in a few weeks. We were so perfect together until a week before moving in together when he got freaked out. If he does get in touch, I don't know what I will do. 
If he does, and obviously this is hypothetical, I don't know if it will be another apology or an attempt to reconcile. Would I be a complete fool for taking him back? What do you both think about getting back with an ex? Can't get back with an ex unless the problem that caused the breakup has been resolved. End of my input. (laughs) That's not true. Please expand. Um, Relationships end for a reason, and they're not always like you know, the reasons that you think they'll end. Like, you know, people could still love each other, but things go wrong. Or yeah, things, someone freaks out and thinks things are moving too quickly, or it's just circumstance, like it's not the right time. And I just think that the only reason to get back with someone is if you can honestly say that whatever the issue was, it is 100% resolved. And I also think that it sounds like this breakup kind of taught you a lot about him because the way that he behaved to you like during that breakup time, like treating you like crap, that's not okay. And just because it was only this one week, that is still something that he did and is capable of doing to you. So like, I would tread very carefully. And honestly, the only reason I would ever get back with someone is if like, you know, we broke up because I wanted to move somewhere, but then like changed my mind and didn't move. Or, you know, just something that's like a problem that can be solved or that you agree together that you are going to work really hard on because otherwise you'll just be back in the same situation I think yeah I think it's also hard because um did you I can't tell did you move to the new city I don't think it says I, I think also like if you did move you might also be in like this new and vulnerable position situation where you don't know that many people mm-hmm. and you're kind of like your emotions are all over the place but I mean this is pure speculation because I don't know if you did move in together but if not I guess it also is kind of like being a new and vulnerable place after a breakup like you are in like a different place somehow and it's a lot like that you kind of see things differently and relationships differently even though he was apologetic and even though he seems to at least partly have recognized the problems and how he treated you I think that there is also a difference sometimes and I don't want to be such a naysayer here but just kind of like between sometimes like people realizing that they need to apologize and really understanding what it is they're apologizing for mm-hmm. and, and like putting the work in to fix and yeah, stuff because it isn't like th- like reactions like that aren't going to be fixed by like a five minute change of heart like it is like a going forward I need to work on this thing um and sometimes when I say that to friends in situations they're like oh are you being so dramatic it's not like so-and-so needs to go to therapy for this. And I'm like, well, they've just got to work through it. Yeah. Because we've all got stuff to work on. It's also so hard because I've been in that position where you're saying everything was great and then he, like, freaked out and broke up with you. If that happened to me, I would definitely want to get back with that person. Like, I would 100% be like, this is, you know, we were, we were things were going so well. We were, yeah, I mean, okay, for example, I'm about to move in with my boyfriend of like a year and a half. If he broke up with me out of the blue because he panicked about moving in and then like things were horrible for a bit. I mean, I would 100% be trying everything I could to like get back with him, even though that's not necessarily the right or healthy thing. If like, you know, if what happened to you happened to me, basically. So I can completely see why you would want to, but it doesn't make it a good idea. I also think you have to extend a bit of compassion towards yourself as well, though, because you said, like, would I be a complete fool for taking him back? Like, don't, whatever you decide to do, like, don't, like, attack yourself for it. That kind of has to, as much as possible, not be part of it. Like, don't think of yourself as, like, a cliche or a stereotype or whatever, like, because I think that that kind of makes the whole thing blurrier and it doesn't let you see what you need to do for your well-being with clarity whether that's 
get in bed with him or not. Yeah, and I think also, I guess, a bit of compassion for him in terms of, like, it sounds like he dealt with everything really poorly, but they're, people are human and they make mistakes and there is a chance that, like, I mean, it's obviously only you can decide this, but there is a chance that it was genuinely just a temporary glitch, like a temporary freak out, because I'm, like, terrified of moving in with my boyfriend. Um, and He's a vampire, they say it's Yeah, that's true. And uh, I don't think I will freak out and be like, no, it's not happening. Because I've like spent a lot of time thinking over and we've talked it through a lot and talked through any of our concerns, um, which obviously would be really helpful for you guys to do if you haven't done it already. I don't think that would happen. But, you know, if, for example, something really stressful was happening with me at work or something, I might have a bit of a freak out about it. And that wouldn't mean that like the relationship was completely doomed. It would just be me having like a, a momentary... <laughs> Glitch. Yes, glitch. So I don't know. I think that kind of goes into the only get back with them if the problem is resolved thing, where it's like, if you can talk it through and you think that this was just like a a momentary panic and it doesn't actually reflect how he feels about your relationship, then what can you do? What can you do? Maybe, maybe consider it. I don't know. Think about it. Our next question comes from another Arunal who says, Dear Rosiana and Lex, this past summer I had a short fling with a guy I met travelling. <laughs> just reminds me of when people would like lie about people they dated and been like he goes to another school I met him on holiday you never had that? no people would always be like yeah I actually have kissed someone I met him on holiday they'd be oh, like yeah right met him at centre parks yeah kiss behind the tree yeah behind the big tree at centre parks um, in total we spent less than a week together I don't have much experience of dating or sex and he was a really lovely guy who I felt very comfortable with so things were pretty intense and exciting since we said goodbye, we've kept in contact via text. It's been a month now and I'm feeling confused about where it's going and what his expectations are. He texts me pretty much every day and has casually suggested that we plan a trip together in January to see each other again. I like the guy, but I'm not interested in any kind of long distance relationship and planning trips far in advance feels like he expects things to be serious. He's smart and we have a lot to talk about, but I feel like a lot of the draw for both of us was the physical relationship. I would happily keep texting him with no strings or expectations because I enjoy it, but I'm worried that he's in a different place. It feels a bit weird that he's so interested when we didn't spend that long together and we have little opportunity to see each other. Do I need to force a what are we conversation? And should I be wary of someone being this interested in so little time? Thanks for your help, Runa Wasler. I mean, on Love Island, people fall in love in like three days. But they say it feels like you've known each other for months. Yeah, but that's what like a, like a holiday, like a fling or whatever does. Especially when yeah. you like spend so much concentrated time with somebody, you're like, oh my God. I love you, but you're actually like experiencing the first like month of a relationship condensed into a week. And in the first month, it's all exciting and new and fun. That's the thing, isn't it? Well, that's what I was thinking about when she was talking about um, the trip that he was planning or suggesting, mm. because that will also feel like quite intense and yeah. for better or for worse. Yeah. You might not necessarily go back to that first place. But um, to your question about, like, do you need to force a what are we conversation? Like, you maybe don't need to necessarily even think of it as that. But I think there is some communication that needs to be communication. happening. Communication. You know, if you do want to go on this trip or if you do want to see him in other places or whatever. Um, just to be straightforward, like, here's how I'm thinking about it. Like, mm. let's talk about this and have it be the start of a conversation. But I don't think you necessarily need to think of it as a what are we conversation. Because I feel like that... It kind of feels like too much for you, maybe. Yeah, because it's not even—it's not like you've been like seeing each other and you're. Well, I guess it's kind of the long distance equivalent, isn't it? It's very difficult because I mean I don't think I've ever been in this position. That's not true. I must have been in this position before, but like most of the time, it feels like I'm the one who really likes someone, 
and they're yeah. the one who's like being a bit distant and like not you know being on the same page as me and it's like a weird it's just a weird thing at the end of the question it was like is it weird that like he kind of wants to take it this far when we don't know each other that well but I don't think that's weird because you know if you like someone if you've been talking every day like that feels like something and I can see why to him like he's just in a completely different headspace he's thinking what I would probably be thinking in this scenario which is like oh this is possibly the start of an actual relationship like we really liked each other we're talking every single day like I'm gonna test the waters and see if she wants to go on a trip with me like to me I can see exactly where his head is at but it's just that it doesn't line up with where yours is. But I think you don't know where his head is at unless you talk to him. That's true. It is true, but I think I can also see like how he could get the impression. Yeah. Because if you don't talk openly about it, then yeah, every, like there's always the chance that you'll be undifferent. It's terrifying. Like I don't. I th- I've probably talked about this before, but like the fact that when you're early on in something you have no idea what the other person is thinking and you haven't reached the point of like being really open about it yet then it's just like, you don't know if this person is like seeing it as really casual or just like a sexual thing or if they like aren't interested in relationships and all this stuff. And you just have to kind of wait until the time is right to have that conversation. But it's just such a weird situation to be in where you're like, I have no idea if our heads are in the same place. Yeah. I have no idea what you're thinking. And I could be planning this whole future and like you are just not in there in that zone the future zone i think we get to a point there where we realize again and again that like talking is the only way through this yeah being aware that like if you are uncertain or nervous about any part of it like then you don't have to do anything that you Mm. don't want to do like those same kind of lack of certainties about um where his head is at can be places where your head fills in what you assume he wants all the time Mm. and the only way out of that is talking like you're not gonna get any more by just kind of like keeping things going as they are we have a question from alice today who says dear lex and rosiana i've always believed myself to be this horrible person in high school when my pool of friends was limited um in high school i wouldn't say i was bullied more than disliked i have a strange character that alienates people who don't get close enough to understand me. I'm outgoing and loud, but overall, I'm a vulnerable, loving, and emotional person. I went to college and all this changed. Yay! Friends galore. This made me feel liked and wanted, and I didn't even sense a change in how I acted. Now I'm ending the end of my first now I'm nearing the end of my first time in university and I'm struggling. Some of my flatmates dislike me for sure, and some have a distaste for certain things I say. I have a foul mouth, I tend to go too far innuendo wise. Um, I appreciate them and laugh even when people are concerned and disgusted. But I'm starting to feel like I'm back in high school with all the side eyes and sly comments. What do I do? Is it me? Sending you lots of satisfying poos and dog memes. Alice, aka Stinky Trumper, as my boyfriend calls me. <laughs> Stinky Trumper. <laughs> I feel really mean. Because you know what I'm going to say? I think it kind of is you. That's mean, isn't it? What I mean is, it's there's nothing wrong with the way that you are. Like, it's completely fine for you to be that way. But I think that um, there is a kind of like social awareness that comes with like, you don't have to completely change who you are as a person. But I think sometimes just toning down parts of yourself that people might find quite difficult to deal with. I don't think that's necessarily like a bad thing to suggest. I don't know, am I being really mean? 
because no. I feel like there are aspects of my personality like I'm very attention seeking I'm very like I can be very loud I can always like really want to hog the conversation which you probably notice on this podcast and like I there are just parts of me that I know not you know aren't that palatable to everybody and it's not that I'm getting rid of those parts of myself it's that I just have to have the social awareness to tone them down in group situations or in situations with um new people or like if you're living with people that's quite a delicate social situation and it's just like knowing when to bring that out and when to kind of chill out a bit on it which I really don't want to be saying like there's anything wrong with your personality because I don't think there is I just think that there are some people who are going to get on with you like and and get on with that side of you and there are some people who are going to be put off by it and I think that even though it's not that you're doing anything wrong I think that maybe yeah like just toning it down a little bit might be kind of helpful does this sound like I'm crushing someone's spirit I don't know no it's hard though because I feel like there's a shift in like it's like all that like social contract stuff like when you're around other people Mm. responding to that social environment like but then I don't know it's like what do we consider as like normal social behavior yeah is that still kind of quite archaic but at the same time like I do think you have to respond to people like one of my worst slash best behaviour characteristics is I'm extremely perky and loud in the morning and I'm a very <laughs> loud person um, when I'm in certain environments. I just suddenly become extremely loud. I listen to loud musical time, just loud. Um, <laughs> but in the interest of social cohesion, <laughs> I try and tone it down. Yeah, I, I mean, like, food. so Rosianna, like, gets up for the day by listening to loud music and, like, that's just, like, how you it's get... how you get hyped. Yeah, it's how you get hyped and motivated yeah. and I can't handle that. And when Rosianna lived with me, she just didn't do it. Well, yeah. like, not when I was in, anyway. No, so, yeah. like, that was just a part of, like... That's quite an important part of, like, how you, like, set yourself up for the day and it was a thing that you compromised on to just make it a more easy living situation. Now, on the other side of that, I... <laughs> I didn't hold up my side of the bargain in social contracts because me and my sister are incredibly messy and would leave the kitchen in a mess all the time. And my side of that should have been to clean more. And like, that should have been the thing that I compromised on. You're quite upfront going in there. I did say like, yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't matter if I'm upfront because I also knew that you liked to play loud music. And that was the thing that you were like, okay, I won't do that. And like... (laughs) if it makes you feel any better I've been this terrible to every single flatmate I've ever had it's not personal um, but it is definitely something that I know I need to work on and I think like if I was called out on it I would always just completely own that and be like yeah you're right that's not really a socially acceptable thing and I mean there's a huge difference between being messy and like your sense of humour for example so this doesn't exactly like compare perfectly there is no normal behaviour there is no like you know this is acceptable and this isn't it's just about gauging the room and gauging people and hopefully like having situations where you feel like you can really like fully be yourself and have that come out with like people who enjoy that side of you but then just knowing when it's like you know just just to make it a happy living situation I'm sure that there are things about the people who you live with that they are probably like toning down a bit or like compromising on to make it well maybe they're not maybe they're awful but like you know everyone kind of does that to make things cohesive and like chill i don't know is this good advice i just well, you also in your first term at university you just finished your first term at university so people still don't know who they are yeah a lot of people are trying to like 
almost like recreate your life in uni and like do something different mm. um so i think there's also like and that sounds quite like big and scary and negative but that also means there's quite a lot of opportunity to experiment with like different groups of people and see what works and what doesn't and what sticks and what doesn't well i hope we haven't destroyed your hopes and dreams <laughs> yeah good luck um we have a question from the internet which best one so is far. the best one ever uh so i was on yahoo answers and i found a question that goes like this i'm gonna read it just as it's written because like i'm not trying to make fun of people with bad spelling or typing but the way they've done it is so beautifully funny that i want to read it as it is because it's like a piece of art my best friend told me he master bats <laughs> how do purify him and then underneath that was the question like the title and bond and then underneath it just says am i safe <laughs> Which is the thing is, this comes from like a, this is actually really sad as a question. Like, it's just a sad place to come from to like, think that like masturbating is not okay. And like, it's impure and like, it's unsafe, but also just what a beautiful way of phrasing a question. Masturbats. He masturbats. I love masturbats so much. I'm like, who are the masturbats? They're like bats, but like they've got genitalia instead of bodies. They no, just... that's not even what I was thinking at all. Well, that's what they are in my mind. I was thinking of like little bats with like ship masts on them. With what? Like ship masts. Is it the master bats? Master no, bats. it's got to be like a ship. masturbation pun, oh, surely. Right. Oh, fine. Um, no, some of the answers to this as well were like, it's normal, guys have to do that sometimes. And I'm like, uh, guys? I like, everybody does it. Like, so. everybody master bats. Everyone master <laughs> Everybody masturbates. I think there are some people who don't like to. So, okay. Many people masturbate. Many people masturbate. It's completely normal and safe and healthy to masturbate. And it can really help you like discover things about your body and your sexuality and what you like and what you want to do with other people. And there was actually an event uh, yesterday in London that some of my friends were at, which was called Girls Wank 2. And it was about like the fact that female pleasure exists and we shouldn't be ashamed of masturbating <laughs> so yeah i just found those like replies really dispiriting because it was like i actually had this conversation with my boyfriend because he was saying that he felt like it wasn't seen as an acceptable thing for boys but in my really? experience it's always been like you know it's a bit of a joke people joke about it but like the idea of like having a wank lol is like such a thing that it's okay to talk about for like cis men from like a young age and just be really open about and it's just never been that way in like for for like women and it really ties into all of these ideas about like sexual aggression and like men have to do it and they have to get it out so like women you know who are tempting them or who are whatever like leading them on like they're just playing with their physical overwhelming need to like get off yeah (laughs) like there's just this sense that like men can't help it and they need it and like there's yeah there's no question in there whatsoever about them considering female sexual agency or non-binary sexual agency were just like non cis men sexual agency yeah um but the other thing that i thought was interesting was purify him oh yeah purify purify him oh Oh, god and am i safe yeah the purifying thing is such a religious weird thing isn't it yeah 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 well that was the i remember when we had sex ed for the first time I think I was like in year six or something. How old were you when you had sex the first time? Like probably yeah, like year five or six, maybe. Yeah, around then, like age ten maybe or eleven. Was younger. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, eight or nine or ten or something. 
Um, and we like watched a video and had a conversation. And the boys and girls were split up and all this stuff. I remember I came home and my mum said, because uh, they'd like given the parents a briefing or whatever about what they were going to go over. Yeah. Um, so the parents kind of knew to like pick up conversations. So I said, the only thing is masturbation. We don't do that. Oh no. <laughs> I guess we were like a, I was brought up women Catholic and all this stuff. I remember her being like, I can't remember what that was because obviously it's like a long and complicated part. <laughs> and she then had to explain it, but while also trying to like fill me with shame about it at the same like, time. This is, yeah, masturbating. It's masturbating. a thing that people do and it's sinful and it's Purify pure yourself. Oh, it's just sad. Isn't yeah, it's, it's sad. I think there's a lot of shame about it still, and even more so when you're told to feel shame around your own body or like not given education about your own body or you yourself are discovering your own body at the same time and kind of what that means or like I don't know it just doesn't line up with how you see yourself like dysphoria and so on I think that there are lots of different reasons why people feel ashamed about it um but shouldn't shouldn't if possible yeah I read a an article about um how Jada Pinkett Smith was talking about the fact that like her mum had taught her about masturbation and then she like passed that on and like they had these really open conversations about it that's awesome and they had this kind of like round table something that i think was filmed i'm not sure where she was just kind of like yeah your age i was like experimenting having multiple orgasms all this stuff and i was like oh my god i can't even imagine having such an open conversation with my parents about that kind of thing but it's so good and it started making me think like if i ever have kids how will i talk about this kind of thing with them because i I, my parents are really nice. They're really nice people, just in case they're listening. I like the parents. They are good. And uh, I think that they tried really hard to make everything kind of open and like make me feel like I could talk to them about anything and all this stuff. But there was still shame around sex because it's just not a thing that we're equipped to deal with very well, I think. And equipped. Like, equipped, yeah. We haven't got the equipment. Um, and it just, you know, that's not their fault. I think it's just like... I can't even imagine what kind of conversations they have with their parents. They were probably, you know, the ones that I had with them were probably leaps and bounds ahead of what, you know, their kind of sex education was like. Um, But I just want it to be that if I do ever have kids, that there's just no shame attached in having those conversations. And I would, you know, never want it to be that my, like, child felt like they couldn't talk to me about any of that stuff. Because there's absolutely no way that I would have talked to my parents about masturbation. Sorry, masturbating and yeah, I want my kids to be word? like mother I want to ask you how does one masturbate <laughs> didn't Emma Watson share a website that like showed ways to like get an orgasm it was it was just pretty cool of her I was like Emma Watson like, yeah so it, it's no. it's that are you searching Emma Watson orgasm yeah so it's it's I can't remember what it's called but it's like a female um, oh my god yes oh my god yes yeah so it's like a I think it's a paid service, so you have to pay to join. But it's um, a website that has some free stuff on it, I think, that is, like, prime. I think it's primarily for people with vaginas. And it's, like, how to navigate, like, yeah, vaginal and clitoral orgasm and all that kind of stuff. And it's meant to be, like, just a resource for people to explore that and find out what they like and, like, you know, just things that resources that probably haven't ever existed before and it was really cool that Emma Watson talked about it because it's just one of those things where like just normalizing this stuff like admitting that like you masturbate masturbate oh my god I'm sorry I keep getting it wrong (laughs) I just can't I've never been able to pronounce that word and obviously it's meant to be masturbate um just yeah just admitting that and talking about it openly like even the fact that I just said admitting like it's not something you have to admit to 
just no. something that most people do. Most people masturbate. Yeah. Boom, clap. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of our hot podcast. Yeah, all about masturbating. Um, please send us your questions to makeoutwithem at gmail.com or at makeoutwithem on Twitter. Twitter, please include your pronouns if you wish, but also please do, regardless of whether you wish it or not. Wow, I'm cutting us off. What's the end of our podcast? Oh, all I just thought. Oh my god. I just fell apart all of a sudden. Um, Orla Garland does our theme music it is wonderful support her you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash makeoutwithhim we had brunch with Orla today we did She's actually there were lots gem. of people there we had a um, I'm trying to organise this like business brunch where we get like women together to talk about business which is just a weird thing that I've decided to do but I would recommend it it was really fun it, it was really good you should get together with other women in your profession and discuss it and troubleshoot and you know it's good anyway why do I always talk so much about Orla because she's a fucking gem anyway but not as much of a gem as we are support us on Patreon <laughs> very good advertising I don't know you told me like before I was talking too much about Orla so I'm trying to like we both talk too much feedback. about Orla <laughs> Anyway, goodbye everyone, especially Orla. Bye. Bye.